welcome to 5am voice i'm your host will Compern, and today we have alex and malcolm suarez two seniors at plattsburgh high school yeah so guys welcome to the show how you doing how are you feeling well thanks for having us though will um i'm feeling all right you know uh excited to get this started seems like a very interesting uh, concept so yeah me too uh thanks for having us of course so our topic today is something I want to call glorified sadness. I'm going to explain what that means later on. But before we jump into it, I wanted to ask just what do you guys enjoy doing just on a day to day basis? Um, I'd say in my uh, everyday life, um, you know, I like playing video games, hanging out with friends, you know, typical high school senior stuff. But, you know, uh, yeah, I like to um, I write some music. Uh... I uh, hang out with uh, some friends, social distanced, of course, right now. And um, yeah, that's that's basically what I've been doing. All right. So our topic is glorified sadness, right? And the way I like to think of it, and I'm just going to say this right now, I did not come up with this idea. I saw it in a video once and I, f- I forgot who made it. So I'm very sorry, but yeah, not taking credit for this idea, <laughs> but Glorified sadness is basically that our generation lives more for happiness than for the future. We don't exactly plan long term. We kind of just see, oh, this is going to make me happy right now and I'm going to go do this. Or instead of like, this is, you know, probably smart to avoid or, or something like that. So I'm curious, what do you guys think on that idea? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree? Yeah, it's actually a topic that's quite interesting to me. I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with like this age of technology we've grown up in and our generation at least. And I think other generations are starting to do this too, even older. Um, they are getting a lot of dopamine, which for those of you who don't know is the happiness or addiction chemical. So it's, you know, it's what happens when you win a game on your phone or you something good happens and we're just so used to that instant gratification that i think that's like psychologically affecting us you know i mean yeah i i agree with that completely uh that's more of like a, a sciencey answer but um i i think right now uh i think everyone just wants to to feel good in the moment i think like malcolm says it's it's this connected all this connected internet or just social media kind of thing. It's just all just instant gratification and rewards you for that. And then you feel good for that second. You want it again. And even with bigger things like, um, like I applied to colleges, uh, uh, this past month. And, um, I mean, when I was done with one of my applications, I felt great and I would just stop. I would just completely stop. Be like, all right, I'm done for the day. I did what I had to do. And, uh, I wouldn't, like continue and think about, you know, I, I could do all of this right now and then maybe do scholarships next week or something like that. And I think, uh, yeah. And obviously this has been going on for a while. There have been a lot of studies on uh, the effects of social media, especially on teenagers' brains. But I have to imagine that, you know, quarantine has not helped, Right. I definitely can relate to that. You know, it's like, oh, I applied, I applied to this one school. You know what? 
everything else can wait. I'm I'm done for today. I've been productive today. And quarant I'm not saying that I wouldn't have done that otherwise, but definitely in quarantine, I was definitely like I worked on my essay for like twenty minutes. This is totally fine. I'm so productive today. <laughs> oh you know? yeah. So obviously it's hard because you know, at the end of the day, we can't tell what would happen without quarantine. But do you think quarantine has definitely like amplified this idea of just like living for happiness in the moment, you know? Oh, yeah, I completely I think quarantine has actually played one of the biggest roles out of anything else. Because honestly, I think once our generation stopped attending school because of the virus, um, I think that made a lot of us, to be frank, to be completely frank, uh, just extremely uh, lazy, just lazy and everything that we loved in our lives and everything that we were looking forward to kind of just shut down and ended. I feel like we got a lot more free time as well. So we thought, hey, I can do this, you know, whenever I really want to. It's not going to go away. This thing I like to do or don't like to do Uh it's not going to go away. I'll just do this later. And then, you know, you just do a whole lot of nothing for a long time. So I want to go back to what Alex just said, that we have so much free time, right? And, you know, if you went, if I were able to talk to myself like two years ago, like sophomore year, and I said, you're going to have 18 hours of free time every single day, I would, first off, I wouldn't even believe that. And second off, I would assume that I've just become like a productive machine. Like I would just get so much stuff done every single day. And I've brought this up before, but I want to bring it up again because I feel like it didn't hit last time. Especially with adults, especially with teachers in particular, I kind of feel like sometimes they just kind of see us at our computers for like, 18 to 20 hours a day, right? And it kind of just, I feel like a part of them just kind of associates that with like, yeah, they can do 18 to 20 hours of work that day then. They're already at the computers, might as well be productive, right? So huh. I can assign them two or three times the amount of homework I usually would have. And I just, that's just not the case, you know? <laughs> yeah, like that's honestly a really interesting thought. I've never actually thought about it like that because yeah I guess when you are just on electronics all day and these days electronics is how we do literally everything I guess that that's just a mentality that a lot of adults and educators have and I also think um they're you know they're doing their jobs and everything online too obviously and uh that kind of is like goes in their brain like hey if I'm doing this here they should also just be doing all of this work there and you know, I could extend more work because obviously I have more free time, but I feel like we need that time to, especially right now during this pandemic, to work on our mental health and to and to just practice wellness. Looking into the future, right? Let's hope that nothing like this ever happens again. But if it does, do you think that our generation right now, after we've grown up, after now we have jobs and stuff, do you think the educators then are going to be more understanding of this because, you know, to, to give the teachers credit, like this has never, ever happened before. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's tough to be like, 
oh yeah, just look at what we did last time because there is no last time, you know? So do you think we would be more understanding or do you think we'd be like, uh, you know, I, I get it, but like, you got to do this essay, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, gonna, I'm honestly going to tell you, well, I think this is causing this one thing in our life is going to cause a crazy reform to the education system and not even like, not even like adjusting curriculum or anything like that. I think everything is just automatically shifted online now. I don't see us going back to a fully remote model at all. I mean, a fully uh, in-person model at all, to be honest. Um, I think now that we see that we can do work efficiently with technology, um, I think it's going to be like that for a while. But that's, sorry, go ahead. And to answer your previous question, yeah, I definitely do think uh, future educators will be a lot more understanding, especially they remember this situation. Uh, I kind of disagree with uh, Malcolm on the uh, the whole idea of how we might go back to uh, how we won't go fully back to school. I think that in some models that would work, and in some maybe specialized schools, but I don't think public schools in the U.S. are going to continue to do this, especially because we do see higher rates of failing classes, worse test grades. It's just it's not as an efficient way to teach to many, many, many students. And I'm sure at least two of us in here can agree with that. So, but, uh, oh, I'll, and uh, to answer your question, yeah, uh, as a teacher, in the future, perhaps I would absolutely understand. This is uh, one of the hardest times of all of our lives, and to motivate yourself when you're not actually seeing anyone or interacting is just extremely difficult, especially for a student, especially for a teenage student. To go back to Alex's point, like, yeah, online school has definitely been a lot harder for me personally. You know, it's not that my my grades have actually gone up, but it, I just don't feel like I'm learning as much. And, you know, my kind of like thought is that I don't really care if I get all Fs as long as I end up with, you know, as long as I learn stuff. Right. Cause that's kind of the, that's, that's the point of school to learn things. And, you know, grades are a whole different other story that I'm not even going to get into, but yeah, online school has definitely been tough for me. It's been tough for all of my friends, you know, and it really just sucks because we're at a point right now where we have to decide if we want to go back to in-person school after break. And yeah, especially as a senior and as a senior, it's tough to say, like, I have to put my health first. I, I can't go back to school. I can't be with my friends right now because it's just dangerous. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've been, I tested positive, so I'm going back. But like, I have so many of my friends who are just like, I, I just can't put my family at that high of a risk, you know? And, so, and that is just, that's terrible, mm. especially for your mental side, you know? It's like, you gave up the opportunity to go see your friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think all of this um, online schooling really ties back into the original topic of how we, you know, play off of, um, we play off of like instant gratification, our generation, rather than uh, long-term. Because it's really so easy to forget the long term, especially in a state like this, when long term could be the future could be anywhere, like any time. Like we, there's just so much uncertainty that I think us planning for the long term is just so difficult at this point. 
like I live life day by day. I don't know about you guys, but day by day, day in, day out, do basically the same thing. It's hard to focus on a long term when you live like that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, it's it's kind of just, hey, get your work done. What do you have to do today? All right, do this, 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 then we're free. And it's a lot of the times it's you're actually getting done less work than you would have if you know we weren't in this situation. All right, so yeah, switching back to the topic at hand, there's actually another part of this. There's another part of the glorified sadness idea. And basically it's that, and this is a part that I kind of disagreed with and I can go into why later on, but it basically, the, the thought behind it was that our generation kind of puts like being sad on like sort of like a pedestal in the sense that this is kind of messed up to say, like, like, I just hate this idea, but it's true. You know, it's like people will post like, oh, you know, I'm so depressed today and, and all this stuff. And it'll get like, it'll get that instant feedback. You know, they'll get like text messages saying like, oh, are you okay? Or it's like, I'm always here for you if you need me or anything. And, right. you know, these people might just be like, they either might just be like having a bad day or just like, or they're like totally fine. And they're just saying that because they want that instant feedback. And so as I'm kind of going through this in my head, I'm starting to agree with it more. I think I was just looking at like that idea the wrong way, but do you like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like putting sadness on a pedestal for everyone else to see or, or glorifying sadness? Yeah. I, yeah, that's, I think that's actually pretty damaging to, um, our generation while growing up, I mean, when you think about it, like if we glorify, like you could call it glorification of sadness, if we glorify the sadness and that just starts to become like good in our brain, that's just how you fall into like, I, I, whether it be just depression or whether it be just like, just being like a crazy, like attention seeker, like the fact that sadness can now be redeemed at any time with insane amounts of positive uh reinforcement is like it on paper it seems like a great thing it seems like you're getting all the support you need but i think there might be a fine line for where that support becomes um uh like damaging uh yeah i mean it's a it's a tough subject because it's it's based off the situation i feel like um you could have someone that's genuinely diagnosed with depression and needs that reinforcement in their life, especially if they're not getting it where they live or their situation at home. You, you need that. But if you, if someone is, you know, having a bad day and, and goes to that immediately to try to help them, uh, I don't think that's a healthy coping mechanism, really. Um, I think the best, the, uh, the other uh, scenario would be completely understandable and completely justified. Uh, I think it very much depends on the situation. But do you think that, I'm just curious, Alex, do you think that means that anyone should have readily available reinforcement just whenever? I mean, I think if you genuinely need that reinforcement on a consistent basis and it's not but I think the problem is less of that and more of if 
it, they, you can't pick and choose who gets it, you know? Like, everyone is going to have it. So do you think that is good, that everyone has that, or...? I mean, honestly, I think it's going to do more good than harm because, you know, some people just need that extra kind of, uh, say, uh, I'll, I'll use the word push. They need that push to for self-worth. And I think, obviously, it's, it's damaging to many people. It could go... It goes straight to their heads or, you know, it, it's just there's so many factors in this whole thing that it's it's um, it's an interesting question uh, that I'll definitely think about more. All right. So Alex brought up coping mechanisms, right? And I have to I mean, yeah, I, I also have to think about what I would say to Malcolm's question, but I'm just wondering. So. Let's say we have a uh, person A, right? And they are, they always go to like the, oh, I'm like, I'm depressed now. Just give me like send loving messages or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. That is their coping mechanism. And, you know, they're perfectly fine. They just have bad days. But other than that, they're like, yeah, they're, they're really, they're really happy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think you would tell them coping wise? Like, do you think, what will you introduce them to say like hey maybe you should try this instead like i mean i'd i'd probably just say okay i didn't mean to demonize uh compliments over the internet if that's what i uh <laughs> that's how i came off um i think i meant to say if available look for a a figure in your life that you're very close to in real life um and just like talk like that i like, I don't want to assume anyone's situation and be like, oh, you're depressed? Just talk to someone. Um, but I don't think going straight to fishing for compliments from strangers to try to make yourself feel better is the... I mean, I don't think it's a stranger either. I don't think it's necessarily strangers. Or not, even, not even strangers. I just mean, you know, like the general population on your Instagram uh, or your Snapchat or whatever. And it's also uh, on that same vein, I don't want to sound like a like a boomer um but it depending on what platform you're posting that stuff on it could be dangerous because people could see hey they're vulnerable i'm gonna try to do something here or just anything like that uh i think if you need that positive reinforcement then you could talk to a friend you can you can ask them. you can if you have a friend you could trust that is okay with talking to you about your mental health that is one of the best things I've found that really, really helps. 100% agree with that. And look, I, I understand that it might be scary to take the first step and, and reach out to someone and just say like, hey, can we talk about something like kind of serious or something like that? Like that is not an easy thing to do, especially if like you actually need someone's help, right? But I like... I cannot stress this enough. It is so worth it. Like just no matter what it could possibly be, just talk to that person. You know, if you trust them enough to think about them, that you want to talk to them during this time in your life, like do it. Like it, It's so worth it. it. It helps so much. Like I can't even describe how much it helps, but just take the mm -hmm. first step because I swear to God, it'll help you so far down 
in life, in life in general, just. Yeah. Cause even if their response isn't what you want it to hear, uh, I mean, you get closure, no matter what the situation is, you'll get closure. And that's just part of acceptance. All right. So we brought up social media, right? Whether that be Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever. And that is another thing that our generation is dealing with that no other generation has dealt with before. And we're, we're called the lonely generation, even though we're the, we're the most connected generation to ever exist, right? If I want to contact someone on the other side of the world, I could do it in seconds. Whereas, you know, I don't know, maybe like 50 years ago or so, like what, how, how long would a letter take to reach like Europe or something? Or even like a tell, like even like a telegram. Yeah. Like it's- so, so in that sense, it's kind of like crazy. Like why are we called the lonely generation? You know, we're connected around the world, but it's weird because we're not. Like- yeah. I think when you're thinking about that, you have to realize that it wasn't really us that made up the name lonely generation. It's the people who grew up without all of this stuff that are like, Hey, you're just sitting in your room all day, or you're just uh, talking with all your friends on your phone all day. They don't understand that that's, I guess, really socializing. And I, I think that's just, <laughs> they were like, hey, lonely generation. Uh, that's you guys, because you're just in your phone all day. Uh, I don't know. I, I see how that name, it could be relevant. Um, basically, I... You know, you, you see this. People are just, you know, on their phones, you know, chilling in their house, wherever. And a lot of people try to um, escape from real life social situations by sitting on their phone and not interacting with anything. So in that, if you're talking about loneliness like that, I'd completely agree that we are a lonely generation. Because, you know, a hundred years ago, if you went to a, a party and... uh and uh, you couldn't really just go on your phone and ignore everyone. You you have you'd have to you know talk to people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I I think there's just different ways of our of communication. To be honest, oh, it if, is. If our, because obviously, our generation is definitely not physically socially, like, like in real life socializing. I don't think we'll end up being as good as that just because i mean especially because of this whole uh, covid fiasco that we got going on here um i think it's definitely an issue for us but i feel like our long-term communication will be end up just being a lot better like we won't lose friends as fast as our parents lost friends from high school or from college or any of that mm-hmm. and you can even see that now with you know the millennials yeah that's true definitely yeah losing friends that's actually a a good point to bring up because i i was talking to my parents right about friends i forget how it came up but my mom and my dad both said like you know we kept in touch with some of our high school friends but you know we just went our separate ways right and even in college like i still talked some like they still talk to some of their college friends, but for the most part, it's just those really like close connections. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel like I have so many of those close connections that I just don't see a way that we can like, like we'll ever just like 
stop really talking or anything like right it's kind of a hard like thing to grasp i guess oh yeah it's it's weird because we're trying to look into our future but i definitely like we all have like there it makes it almost impossible these days to go through your day without knowing exactly what someone did with their day because so many social media posts so many stories on snapchat you have a very good idea of what other people are doing while you're doing something else so i think just with when your brain is looking at that even if you physically grow apart from your high school friends i think we'll just be like oh i know what this what's going on in this person's life i think i still have a grasp of who they are and i think i they still have a grasp of who i am and i think that'll ultimately make it a lot easier for us to stay in contact but i'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well uh i mean yeah i mean that makes sense to me i think that's uh one of the many reasons that we'll just stay more connected in general i mean say like if i ask you know my mom like hey uh, can you text your friend from high school night right now she like would not be able to but i will have well i don't i don't know this but um i'll have several accounts on social media i'm i'm assuming it, way into my adulthood that i will be able to connect with people way from way back in my past i mean i have uh for example at i've been to a couple summer camps and i, I still sometimes talk to people like a uh, over the New Year's, I texted uh, several people I haven't talked to in a while to say happy holidays. And uh, reconnecting is just extremely important. I think it's just so much easier to do now. Yeah. You know, he's definitely right. Just reconnection is is just really easy. That, that There's no other way to put that, you know? Mm-hmm. Malcolm said brought up like uh Snapchat stories, right? And if you don't know what Snapchat is, it's like either pictures or one minute long videos at the max just of just whatever's going on. I'm I'm pretty sure ever anyone listening knows what Snapchat is. So, I've had many experiences where I've been like chilling at home. It's a, it's like 3 a.m. I'm like kind of in my feels and it's like then I just go on Snapchat and I see like 20 people, obviously not right now, but I see like 20 people just out with their friends or like singing songs in the car at parties or anything. And I'm just like, dang, like, wow, I am, that is really, that's tough for me to watch right now, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of plays into like the lonely generation, you know, it's like, like we see everyone doing fun stuff and, Obviously, there's like, there's also the idea of like, perceived, I don't even know the right word for it. But however you want to look online, you can look, you know, right. And I think your that scenario you kind of drew up for us also just connects back to the whole glorified sadness thing, even um, just because you go on your store, everyone's doing stuff, but you're just home being all lonely. And you're like, dang, I'm sad. Let me post about this. And that's what a lot of people end up doing. I'll just yeah. post like their face on their story and say like, dang, or something like that. And it's, it really adds a whole other layer of, I guess, for lack of a better word, drama 
Um, and a lot, I guess, a lot more names go flying around too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have. Again, I, I, it's very situational for me. The whole um. Uh, uh what do you call it? The uh, this uh, glorified sadness, right? Uh, I think. I think if you really think that you need that to do it, but I don't think it should just be your go-to to post uh, like an obvious baiting of attention onto your story because then people will think what we're saying right now, uh, potentially. Um, I think you should – if because if you're really upset, you're not going to spread it to everyone on your social media. You're going to text a few people or one person that you can really trust to talk about, or hopefully that's what you will do. I think that's just a more effective way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and switching topics right now for a quick second, going back to that scenario, something that you know honestly really helps me is music, right? Mm-hmm. And I know Alex mentioned that as like something that he just enjoys doing, writing music and stuff. We we actually all play or played instruments. We went to music camp for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So music is definitely part of our lives. And I think that I just want to know just like your thoughts and like just the power of music and not only that, but just like, I'm curious on like why some people just, I don't want to say like underuse music. Cause like that doesn't exactly make sense, but like when they're sad, like here's a better way to put it when they're sad, they listen to sad music to make themselves even sadder. Why? Just. Oh yeah. I, I see. I see. I see the, uh, the question here. Um, well, I guess, Hmm. That, that's a whole, that's a whole. I think I can, I can kind of rationalize it. Uh, I think the music kind of relates to whatever emotion they're feeling. And that is just, I guess, comforting in a way. Uh, because you know, when you're, when you're happy or just vibing with friends, you're going to listen to uh, like, like a summer, imagine a summer playlist, something like that. And you're just with your friends. That's upbeat music. You're having a good time. When you're sad, you crave, I guess, uh, that like, I guess it reaffirms that, Hey, this is what other people think too. And this is, Hey, this happens. It's not only you. Uh, and I don't think it necessarily is going to help you go back up to being happy, but I think it's a good way to kind of rationalize why you're sad or how you were feeling. That yeah. was a very smart way to put it. That was a good way to put it. <laughs> and um, I also think it's cool that, I mean, again, with the whole generational thing, we have streaming capabilities for music. So we can listen to whatever song we want at literally any time we want, which I think also is one of the main things that just releases dopamine in our brain. We're like, oh, I want to listen to this song for 50 times in a row. I'm going to do that. And I think that's really changed the way our culture listens to music. Like we binge, like it's no secret that we binge watch shows and binge listen to music. And I think that's part of that whole, uh, social media bad type thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, binge watching shows is definitely an issue for me. I will <laughs> say that right now. Yeah, yeah. Netflix really, uh, really did that to all of us, huh? Yeah. Oh my god, it's just an endless cycle. Just. <laughs> all right. So, there's one last point of glorified sadness from the video, and this is this is definitely situational. I personally do not like, I don't exactly really relate to this, but the idea was kind of like, so it's, it's about like instant gratification. Right. And it's kind of just like, it's not exactly like saying like, Oh, we just like teenagers just do stupid stuff because they're teenagers. I guess it's more saying like they do stupid stuff because that is just what, I don't know how to put this. That's just like how our generation functions. It, it's not just like a, oh, just boys being boys or girls being girls or something like right. that. Like, this is how Gen Z operates. This is, this is what goes on. Like, so like, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, I, I don't really agree with that because I've heard stories from, you know, my grandparents about the stuff my, um, my uh, parents would get into when they were younger and it is it, still you know what people would consider oh boys will be boys girls will be boy, uh girls but i feel like since this is such a new way of interacting i think that that kind of loses meaning and people kind of just classify it as its own kind of group so i think that's why that came about i i i i think we I think the whole teenagers are crazy thing has some backing to it because yeah, our brains just aren't as developed and we make poor decisions. But I think that is just greatly amplified by how we are living and how we've been living for the last 17 to 18 years. Um, We are just, we just love instant gratification more than any other generation at any other point in their lives. All right. So, we're running a little bit low on time and I'm just, well, first I just wanted to ask, like, do you guys have anything you want to like add or like anything you want me to go back to just before we wrap up or. I think we've covered each topic pretty well. I've said all I've had to said at least Malcolm. Um, no, I can't say of anything else. Uh, definitely covered a large variety of things. We definitely have. All right. So my final question for you guys, uh, I ask this every show, every episode. So in the future, there's a gathering of everyone on earth and they all meet at some huge arena somewhere in the world. And they're like the best speakers present or speak there and the best inventors show off whatever they invented that year. And you have been invited to say the opening words. And so the entire world is your audience. The You have the floor and you can say whatever you want. You can say the most, you know, the most memorable quote you've ever heard. Or you can say, hey, I ate a bagel and eggs for breakfast. So the stage is yours. What are you saying? Oh, I, wow. I would tell you what I said. I'd walk up to the stage 
tap the mic, make sure it's on, look at the entire world in front of me and say, rest in peace, Jose Onfroy. <laughs> All right. Um, I, uh, I, <laughs> uh, I, if I could speak to the whole world, um, see, that's a tough question because then you, <laughs> you got to think about what you just, uh, kind of say something serious that, you know, a lot of people won't take you seriously on, or would you just try to crack a joke or something? Uh, I'd probably just be like, Hey, we're not dead already. And it's like the future, right? Can we, uh, kind of get on this whole climate change thing if we haven't already? So we can, uh, that's, that's a respectful answer for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think if we're living by then, we'll maybe find some sort of solution. I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> Let's hope. I think that's the main problem with our generation, to be honest. <laughs> is the plan ending. <laughs> All right, guys. So thank you so much for being on the show. This has been awesome. Again, this has been Alex Malcolm Suarez coming from you from Plattsburgh. Guys, thank you. Yep. Thank you for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, for sure. Guys, I will see you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>